0: All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now, your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Well, hey there, Galpal Nation. Welcome to the Sports Galpal Podcast, where we help you understand what the sports fans in your life scream at the TV during a game. I'm your host, Ramona Rice. You can connect with me on Twitter at Galpal and, of course, in SportsGalPal.com. So what did I learn this week? No matter how hard I try or want to, I don't get the appeal of UFC. So this past weekend, um, it was the opening of college football. Hooray. Well, not hooray in Whoville, um, because my team looked awful. It was to be expected. Um, So if you're a UVA fan, just again, November 13th is when basketball begins. So take a deep breath, Wahoos. Let us hope that the athletic department gets their head in the game and realize John Oliver needs to be run out of town. Now, he's not actually the coach of UVA. He's basically the GM of the football team, and he's the one that decided to schedule three ranked opponents all in a row. Just ridiculous. Well, not in a row. We get William & Mary in between there. But the way Virginia's playing, William & Mary's probably going to be us too. It's going to be a long season. So I'm trying to be positive and just go, yay, basketball starts November 13th. Yes. So, but this weekend... My husband and I ventured out. We got a babysitter for the tiny humans, yay grandmas, and we went to, um, a friend of ours just opened a sports bar here in my hometown of Virginia Beach called The Tailgate, so if you're local in the 757, definitely check it out. It is awesome. Um, it's actually owned by my, one of my local sports gurus, Nick Cattles from The Nick Cattles Show. You can listen to him weekdays from 4 to 7 on ESPN Radio 94.1, so Cattles, free plug, Let's get you on the Gal Pal podcast at some point um, because I'm your friend and you like me and I got you Notre Dame tickets. So there's a lot there, Cattles. Come on, but besides that, um, you know what also happened was is that the reason we went out was not because of college football starting, but because there was a a decent UFC fight. So UFC Ultimate Fight uh, Championship fighting is very popular. It's a very niche sport, but it's very popular. People love it, including my husband. It has never been one that I've been truly interested in. Um, You know, I've never been one to really follow like wrestling or boxing or anything like that, unless it's like a big event and I'll comment on it. But I just it just doesn't appeal to me, which is silly if you think about it, because my favorite sport is football, and that's a really violent sport too, so it's strange in that aspect, because if you think about it, you know, ultimate fighting really is the best sport out there, because it's two competitors, one-on-one, no pads, some of the guys didn't seem like they were in cups, because things were jangling all down there, and I'm like, that's brave, my god, because some of the moves I'm going, I don't know if I'd want to... Anyway, nothing loose hanging out. But so I said we should go. And the real reason I said it was number one I wanted to support my friend who's opened this bar. But the other thing is as a lot of you know my episode I talked about my our friend Matt passing away from pancreatic cancer. And this was something James and Matt did together. They um totally did the the USC together. Like Matt would always have um, my husband over to watch the fights and since our kids were really little while all this was going on before matt got really sick that i would go ahead and stay home because the matches start really late and so there's no sense in bringing like the kids and me over it, it just wasn't worth it so and that was james's time to be with his buddies and to be a guy's guy you know and and it's funny I wrote a blog piece about this called you know becoming that girl because when it comes to sports i don't like I do become that girl you know that girl in the bar that i complain about a lot and i tell you guys not to be yeah i get to be that girl where i'm bored and Want to get out of there as fast as possible because I'm just it wasn't working. So I thought that it would be better because there's college football and I invited a friend to go and I thought that would work. No, it did not work because eventually the friend left and college football ended and then I'm stuck there with all these people watching two guys like basically wrestle on the ground and it's really homoerotic. It's just very strange this this thing and and I'm watching this and I'm going. I'm trying and I'm asking questions and I felt like a really stupid girl. I felt like that wife that, I, that I'm trying to bring over to the side of the forest going, come, come enjoy the sports, ladies. Let me show you how. And here I am going, what the heck is going on? Why are they doing this? What is that move? Why can't they just slap each other? There's no biting. There's no hitting. There's weird. You have to use your elbows in certain places. And I'm just like... If it's ultimate fighting, shouldn't it be just anything goes? And my husband's like, no, there are rules. And I'm like, oh, those pesky rules. And it just, it reminded me so much of when I first started to really get into sports and learning the rules. And I was asking all these questions again. And, you know, realistically, I... I've now realized that I've got to find him another UFC buddy. Um, so if you're in the Hampton Roads area and you like UFC, hit me up at SportsGalPal so I can set up playdates with my husband because I really never, ever want to see it again. It's just not my cup of tea. I think that those athletes are tremendous. The amount of training they do is is fantastic, and I certainly couldn't do the things that they do. So I don't want to discount it. It is definitely a real sport. They they definitely train hard. Ronda Rousey is a beast, and the fact is, is that she is a trans. Send an athlete in that division or that sport, because even I know who she is, or random people know who she is, which is very important for sports. She's almost like the Michael Jordan of that sport. I'm going to flat out say it. Like I don't know any of the other main guys. I know who Ronda Rousey is, and isn't it awesome? It's a girl, um, and she's freaking phenomenal. Like she could totally take out, um, what's his face, the the batterer, Mayfield. Yeah, Mayweather. That's it. That's it. I'm recording this late on Sunday night, so I'm a little tired. It's been a long weekend. And so as I sat there at the bar and it got to be midnight and that's when the main event started happening, I realized that, you know what, every once in a while, I'm going to be that girl. There will be things in my husband's life. I talked about this um, the last Monday podcast when I took the question of, you know, him loving Walking Dead or reviving the Walking Dead or whatever Walking Dead series is out there now. You know, it's okay for husbands and wives. To have separate interests. In fact, it's probably a good thing. Like a little separation is good. Like for example, I take um, fiction writing classes. My husband is no interested in that at all. He'll go to like my fiction readings at the end of it, and so that's what I equate it to. He sits through really bad poetry and really bad fiction to hear his wife read, you know, whatever short story or, or piece I'm going to read for the thing. And and he does that because he loves me. And so the least I can do is go with him to see. A fight because honestly he doesn't have anybody to watch it right now because his friend died and so as a wife I need to be there to support him because it's still really hard like that that loss is still really hard and I feel like this weekend coming up with the, our you know UVA plays Notre Dame at Charlottesville and, and we're all very excited but that was the one game Matt was supposed to go with us and his wife and, and it was going to be like an awesome time and I knew that we were going to lose anyway but it was okay because Matt was going to be there and I know Matt will be there, um, but it won't be the same. So that's why I thought it was important for me to try the UFC. I just wish I liked it more. So if there's anybody in Galpa Nation who is great at UFC, who's an expert at it, I would love to have you on the podcast. Help me so that I can be there for my husband or at least not be that girl at the bar so I'm at least entertained. Um, if not, then maybe we'll just have to let him go solo on this one. So speaking of... Unexpected athletes. And my guest this week is the first time I've had somebody on a national scale the way um, he is, but it is the US Women's National Wrestling Coach. It's incredible. Right now, he's in Las Vegas with his team, and they are competing at the World Championships. So good luck, Team USA. We should always root for our countrymen or women. And what I loved about his story was that he was reluctant to coach women, number one, In a sport that's already so niche that not many people still remember that it exists outside of the WWE universe. But I think it's important to support these kind of smaller sports because their fans are devoted. And if this is a podcast all about explaining why sports fandom is the way it is, we have to look at some of these smaller sports. And I'm putting that in quotation marks because I want you guys to realize that since 1994, according to the National Women's uh, excuse me, according to the National Wrestling Coaches Association, women's wrestling since 1994, the number of women who have wrestled in high school has grown from 804 to over to close to twelve thousand. Um, that's incredible. 20 colleges now sponsor a varsity wrestling program for women. Um, and and women's wrestling is recognized as an Olympic sport. There are a ton of states that sponsor a state championship, high school level championship for women's wrestling and women's, um, High wrestling participation numbers are higher than the NCAA sponsored sports of crew, fencing, skiing, rifle, and NCAA emerging sports of rugby, sand, soccer, and equestrian. So it is a sport that's growing. And I'm curious as to why. And our guest today goes over that. A big thank you to Jason Bryant. He does an amazing um, podcast about wrestling. I will link him in my show notes um, for connecting us. He's actually from the 757. I met him at New Media Expo and he's been so kind. Again, I'm so lucky that I have so many guy podcasters in this sport universe that have been like, Ramona, what do you need? If you need connections, if you need like, you know, stuff, I will help you out. And he did. He got me this great interview so without ado here we go here's the interview all right gals and pals my guest today is the actual head coach of the US national women's wrestling team Terry Steiner Steiner um, what makes this so interesting is that not only is wrestling at this level such a niche sport but then to have a rise of female wrestlers come about I find it fascinating and I can't wait to find out more so Terry welcome to sports gal pal
1: well, thanks for having me.
0: So let's get right started. Um, how did you get into sports?
1: Well, I grew up, uh, I'm a twin, and um, we we grew up with uncles that were about 10 years older than us, and so while we were in grade school, they were in high school and wrestling, and, and uh, just, I guess, by mere chance, uh, you know, we had to survive. We were at grandma's house a lot and had to survive, and got beat up on a lot and then so naturally we just started wrestling and then I think being a twin um um you know having a built-in workout partner all the time and then someone that was there doing the same thing with you and and so you know we I would have to credit my uncles for sure for getting us going they were wrestlers at the high school level at the time and they really got us and brought us to practices and things like that so you know, it got us first started and first inspirations and things like that. So um, that's how it started. And then we were very fortunate to be introduced to a guy named Milo Trusty, who was our club coach, who ended up being our club coach and, and really our mentor growing up and really instilled a love and a passion for the sport of wrestling in us. So.
0: Well, with having a twin, you probably were wrestling even before you were born. A little bit, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, my, my brother's seven years older. I always I, I tell him that I threw him out, you know, <laughs> so I won the first match, and 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 uh, But yeah, I mean, I think it was very natural. I mean, we were together all the time, and we occupied each other at a very young age, and kept each other busy, and you know, fought with each other, and 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 so I, I think it was a very natural thing for for us to step onto the wrestling
0: mat, And looking at your accomplishments, um, obviously you were a state high school wrestling champion. You were part of the, you know, U.S. national team. I mean, you went to a really impressive school for wrestling in Iowa. um, Mm -hmm. And you have coached at some of what I know are some big names in collegiate wrestling, including um, Oregon State, University of Wisconsin, um, you know, and now you are the coach of the women's national team, which I think is awesome. Um, how, how is it different coaching men wrestling versus women wrestling? How would you get into that?
1: Well, you know, at, at the time, go back to 2002, uh, at the time I was a college coach. I, I was coaching. I coached at Oregon State for two years, from 94 to 96. And then I went to the University of Wisconsin um in 96 and, and during that time frame my brother and I were still competing trying to make a world and Olympic team and and so we were I was an assistant coach and we, we were both at Oregon State I was there for two years Troy came out my second year leading into the 96 uh trials and um and then after the 96 trials we really we sat down with our parents and and because it was a lot more than just a sport, it was it was a, a way of life, and really something that our whole family was very involved in. And and we sat down with our parents and really talked about how long we really wanted to do this, and if we wanted to give it another four years, and and we decided that we did. We wanted to try one more time to make an Olympic team, and and um, so at that time um, at, at Oregon State University, we uh, they couldn't keep Troy on staff, so Troy was forced to leave and he came back to the university of Minnesota at that time. And so we just realized that we needed to stay somewhere close to each other. And, and so I went to the university of Wisconsin. Um, and, and then after a year at Wisconsin, um, my brother's wife, um, got into physical therapy school at the university of Wisconsin. And and so he moved over to the university of Wisconsin and we finished our, our wrestling careers, uh, training, and coaching, uh, training at the University of Wisconsin, and, and coaching the college team there. And then, and then after two thousand, um, you know, then we were then we were coaching, and 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 I, I was getting antsy. I, I was I, I was an assistant coach at that time for uh, eight years: two at Oregon State, six at the University of Wisconsin. And I was just really getting antsy to get into my own position and. And I called USA Wrestling for a letter of recommendation for one of the Division One college jobs out there, and that's all I ever really saw myself doing is being a Division One college coach. And and um, and uh, Rich Bender, our executive director at USA Wrestling, uh, asked me about this position, and and I said, "What position are you talking about?" And He said, "The women's national team coach." And I said, "Ah, oh, Rich, you got the wrong guy." And <laughs> he said. Uh, Will you listen to me? And and reluctantly, I said, Yeah, yeah, I'll listen. But I, I never really gave it yeah, a lot of thought. Really, I said, Yeah, I'll listen. And I went home, and you know, I, I said to my wife, You know, listen to this one. And she said, What? And I said, Well, Rich, I talked to Rich today about a letter of recommendation, and he he brought up uh, being the women's national team coach. And she said, Yeah, why wouldn't you look at it? You know, it's your op- it's an opportunity in the sport of wrestling. And, and I just kind of shrugged her off and said, uh, she doesn't know anything. And I walked out the door. And, and uh, well, my brother lived a mile away, and I went over to his place. I was really worried that, about, you know, what would my peers think? Would I ever have a chance to get back into college wrestling if I took this route? And and my brother just pointed out that, you know, if you're going to come back into college wrestling, you're not going to be hired by college coaches. You're going to be hired by college administrators. And uh, they want to know you can work with everything, you know, and and everyone, and and so I kind of threw that out too. I did, you know, I was looking for a way out, and I couldn't find one, you know, and and I and then I really had to start asking myself a lot of questions. You know, why do I coach? Why why do I want to stay involved in the sport of wrestling? My wrestling career is over. Um, you know, I'm not in it. I'm not in it for money. I'm not in it for fame and fortune. I mean, what what is it about that, that keeps me involved in the sport of wrestling? And and really, I, I just believe in the sport of wrestling. I believe in the character development. I believe in the human development through the sport. And and so the next question to myself was, if that's really why I'm involved in the sport of wrestling as an educator to teach people through the sport, then, then why does it make a difference if it's a man or a woman in front of me? And so that's when I really started turning and I really started thinking a lot more seriously about it. And I realized that it was a very viable uh, option and, and something that I needed to look into deeper. And and so I, I started talking to a lot of the athletes and a lot of the people that were involved in the sport of women's wrestling. And I'm and, uh, just trying to make sure if I was going to do this, I was doing the right thing. But I think what really, really turned and made my decision for me one night we were driving home and I was still trying to decide. And, and my wife said, uh, I really hate how you're thinking. And and I think she was just, you know, I was laboring so much over it and so much over what other people were going to think and, and what my peers would think and my colleagues and things like that. If I took this job and, and she just said, she said, you know, I was a young girl in the late sixties, early seventies, and she grew up in rural North Dakota, and she said, "You know, I was sitting. I was sitting in the high school gymnasium, listening to people boo and ridicule and harass." She said, "What do you think I was watching?" And I said, "I, I don't know." And she said, yeah, "I was watching a girls' basketball game, you know." And she said, "This is the start of something, and and they they need someone to step in, and not only coach, but they need someone to step in and and fight for the rights of women in this sport, and and really." be a spokesperson and things like that. And, and so, and then she just said, you know, she said, you have a young daughter. And, I, and my daughter at that time was a year and a half years old. And she said, what if she wants to follow in your footsteps? And I think that's what really got me because the one thing I was given as a young child um, by my parents was opportunity. And the one thing I want for my daughter as she grows up is opportunity. And, and, and so I think at that point, I realized it was the right thing. it was uh they, I needed to do it and um and I wanted to do it and and uh, since then, I really haven't looked back
0: that's incredible that that is one of the best stories I've ever heard of a coach's journey like that and you know and you're right, I think it took a your wife sounds amazing by the way and very insightful um so um yes, what I, What I love about that, though, is, is, you know, again, you know, as a woman who, um, you know, I am in a, you know, media landscape that doesn't have a lot of women. So I'm forging ahead, but I have my guys in front of me, kind of like you are for your, you know, your players or your wrestlers, you know, that Uh I need them to kind of push back some of the barriers and some of the obstacles and some of the misconceptions uh, about what women can do in this space and and that's what it sounds like you are to the to your wrestlers is that you are their champion ultimately
1: well you know I'm just trying to do my job you know I, I realized that um, not everyone's going to agree with it I, you know I, it, it was hard even after I decided you know I accepted the position I took the position um, all of a sudden I was in the room with the girls for the first time and I didn't know their names and I didn't know their faces I mean it was really embarrassing to me because I was involved in the sport of wrestling since I was, you know, in kindergarten. And, and all of a sudden there was a group of people in the sport that I didn't know, you know, and I didn't, um, I didn't pay attention to and, and things like that. And so I come into the, the first camp with the girls and I really hadn't even started the job yet. I, I just wanted to familiarize myself with them and let them get to know me a little bit. And all of a sudden I'm on the mat showing technique and, and I'm struggling. And, and, but really my struggles were my own. And that's what I realized, you know, I didn't know how to talk. I didn't, do I say chest? Do I say breast? Can I touch here? Can I touch there? And, and I left that practice really embarrassed and really mad at myself. And I just, you know, I just said that when I go back into the next practice, I'm going to treat them like anyone else in front of me. And, and if I need to, touch there. I'm going to touch there as long as it's purposeful and I'm doing it for a reason. And, and, um, and, you know, am I going to stick my foot in my mouth sometimes? Probably, but I, I don't need the sport of wrestling for that. I mean, I'll do that anyways. And, and, but, but I just, I just said, I, I have to, they have to know one thing that I have very clear boundaries that I'm here for a reason to teach them. And uh, so they can learn from a coach and from a sport. And, um, and really, I never had. I've never had any problems since that time, and and I've just moved forward. But I, I understand the struggle. I understand the struggle where coaches are and why there's hesitancy, and you know. And I hear it every day now. And and that, you know, people are like, well, I don't know if I want my boys touching girls like that. And you know, my my question back to him is, do you want, do you want your boys touching boys like that? I mean, what are we talking about? I mean, we're talking about a sport. We're talking about an athlete that walks through your doors and wants an opportunity to learn from a coach and from a sport. And that's it. Don't make it any more. Don't make it any less. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because you'll have coaches that they will not like girls in their wrestling room, but yet they'll send their own daughters across town and send them to a judo or a taekwondo or a karate class and don't think anything of it. And it's just, you know, uh, the sport of wrestling, just when women are in the sport in this country, there's just a little stigma to it that that is holding us back a little bit. And, and I, you know, I don't think it's something that I, I always say it's something, I, I believe it's like religion. Um, you can't force religion on someone. Uh, the only way someone's going to accept religion and really get into it is if they see the value in it. And and that's the only thing that when I'm talking to a group of coaches or parents, that's really what I want them to see: see the value that wrestling can have on both your sons and your daughters, not just one or the other. And and so, uh, don't make it any more than that. Uh, this is a great, and it really can teach everyone if if you open your minds and your heart to it. But. Um, you know, that was, again, that was a process. Uh, You know, I understand if you were to talk to me 15 years ago about women's wrestling, I would have turned the other way. And so I understand that that's a process and that's a, maybe a generational change more than anything. Um, And in time, you know, people will open their mind to it, but really that's what gets me excited as much as, you know, I mean, obviously our, our goal here is to win world and Olympic titles and, and be successful on the international stage. But the other side that gets me excited about this job is really opening up the opportunities and changing people's minds and hearts toward the sport. And, and, um, you know, that's as much of the job as, as anything at this point.
0: Speaking of world champions, you have that coming up in just a couple, like less than two weeks. Um, are you looking forward to it? Are you guys ready?
1: Uh, you know, I think we're ready. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you you always hope so. I mean, I, I know one thing. Uh, we have a great group of athletes. Um, we, we've been third in the world the last two years. I think we've been knocking on the door. Uh, um, we have athletes that are, are, you know, very committed to this and, and have put years and years of their lives away to accomplish certain goals. And, and this being the World Championships at home on U.S. soil, um, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So, uh, they're very excited about it. We're excited about it. Um, you know, having said that, you know, we have some very, very tough competitors Now, uh, you know, Japan is, is a country that's really led the charge in women's wrestling and they've set the standard as much as I hate to say that they have done that. And, and, um, it's our job to, you know, see if we can get to that spot. And, and, and so they're, they're very tough. China is very tough. Mongolia is very tough. Uh, Russia and Canada and Ukraine are very tough. So, you know, we definitely have our work cut out for us, but, but we do have the team that can compete to win. And, uh, we just, you know, we're in the last phase here uh, and the girls are out for a few days right now. We just finished camp on Wednesday and they're off until Monday morning. And then we start another six day short, intense, um, training cycle. And, and then, um, and then, really, after that, we're just, you know, it's individual needs and and peaking for the for the you know the world. So, so we're excited about it, and you know, we're just trying to, you know, at this point as a coach, sometimes you you wonder if you know you just got to stay out of their way and let them do their job, you know, and you don't want to get in and try to do too much and try to change too many things, and um, it's just really. You know, we, we got some pretty professional people, and, and uh, I think that they know what they need to do. And and so you're really just, just there to guide them and, and help in any way we can. But it's really their journey, and, and we're a part of it, you know. So.
0: How do we increase the amount of girls participating in wrestling? So I have a 7-year-old daughter, and it has never crossed mm-hmm. my mind as a mom. Now, again, you know, to – enroll her or even my son, I'll be honest, in wrestling. How do we increase that? Because, you know, I know that there are certain pockets. It sounds like, you know, and and you see that with the kind of college programs that are around like Ohio State, you know, and it's known for its wrestling program. Well, all around Ohio State is, you know, lots of great youth wrestling. So I'm wondering if it's a regional thing or if it's, you know, something that more parents are looking into because of football, having concussion issues and things like that.
1: Well, you know, it's definitely, you know, I mean, we we definitely have pockets uh, where where women's wrestling is stronger. Uh, You know, we have have, um, Hawaii, California, Texas, Washington, um, Tennessee, Alaska, and Massachusetts right now are are states that have girls wrestling as a sanctioned high school sport. And, And so... You know and they've come about it in different ways i mean you know hawaii just has an asian influence they look at women's wrestling like another martial art like karate or taekwondo or judo and they don't think anything of it i mean you'll go to hawaii and walk into a wrestling room a high school wrestling room and you'll see boys and girls and training together and working out together and things like that And, and you know it's just second nature Um, in Texas, they sanctioned girls wrestling when they sanctioned boys wrestling. They just said, we're not going to sanction one without the other. They didn't really have the numbers to support it. They threw the opportunity out there. And, you know, last count I heard, it was like, they have 250 girls wrestling teams in the state of Texas. And and so, so they've really come about it in different ways, but it is growing. It's the fastest growing sport at the high school level. And it has been the last three years. Um, so we are growing our college programs in 2002, when I started with the women's national team position, uh, we had five college programs. Uh, currently we have 26 college programs, so we are growing, but, you know, never, never fast enough from my perspective, but, but it is growing. And again, it, it takes time. I don't think it's something you can cram down someone's throat. It, uh, again, people have to see the value in the sport and uh, for everyone. And, and once that happens, that's how we increase numbers. And at the grassroots level, it's no different the, the the coaches in the, the local club programs, the local high school programs, those are the real people that are going to change the sport and, and um, open the doors of opportunity for, for young ladies and, and young boys, uh, you know? And, and so, that that's where it has to start, you know, with, with the minds and the attitudes of coaches. And, you know, I think when, when you get the generation, you know, the generation that's wrestling right now, I don't think they think much of women being on the wrestling mat. So, you know, I don't think they think it's a negative thing. Uh, you know, when, when in 20 years from now, when these group of people that are wrestling in high school right now are coaching, um, I, I think you're going to have a lot more acceptance. You know, you just have some people in there that are just never going to change their mind. And that's okay. I I understand that. I mean, you know, not everyone's going to be for it. And that's a choice. You know, a a choice is to, to coach women or not coach women or coach at the club level or coach at the high school level or coach at the college level or the elite level. That's a choice. But to say women shouldn't be in sport or shouldn't be on the wrestling mat, we shouldn't be having that conversation anymore. You know, that, that, that's, uh, we're, we've been here too long. I mean, it's 2015. We don't, we don't have to have that. Women can do anything, you know, and, 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 um, it's just a matter of, are we going to open up opportunities for them or not or make it hard for them? You know, if if we make it hard for people to join the sport of wrestling, you know, they'll walk across the gym and join volleyball and, and, and so, you know, we, we have to do a better job, I think, as a group of coaches and, and you know, just to open up the opportunities. And, and once that happens, uh, numbers will grow.
0: Well, there you have it. Um, Terry, if um, my listeners want to get more information about the U.S. National Women's Team or yourself, where should they go?
1: Well, uh, we do have a U.S. Women's uh, wrestling Facebook page uh, we have uh, if you go to org, that's really our official website for USA Wrestling and, and they can get a lot of information on there um, you know they can email me or, or call USA Wrestling uh, USA Wrestling's number is 719-598-8181 and um, I can be reached by email um, tsteiner at org. Um, but uh, yeah, we we have I mean, there's a lot there's a lot out there. I mean, you know, I mean the thing is, I hear it all the time. You know, our women's team is is getting better and tougher all the time, and it is. We we have we've made a lot of strides, but so is the rest of the world. The rest of the world is putting more and more and more into the development of the sport within their own countries, and so if we're gonna stay at or near the top of women's wrestling, you know, in this country, uh, we're gonna have to you know, put some effort into it. It's not just going to happen just because, um, you know, we, we're the USA. I mean, we, we're going to have to put some effort into it. And so, so, and and be united behind it, you know? Um, So, so that's, you know, that's, that's where it's at. And, and, uh, but it's a great sport. And I I think people that know Russ, I know that it's a great sport and a great teacher of life skills. And it really, it can be like that for anyone. And everyone. so.
0: And I agree. I think it's awesome what you're doing. I think it's awesome that so many women are going to be competing. And good luck at the world championships. Um, if you want the links to um, U.S. Women's Wrestling or USA Wrestling, they will be on my show notes at com, or, of course, on blogtalkradio.com forward slash sportscowpal. Terry, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: You bet. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks again to the coach for coming on to the podcast. Good luck to the women um, competing in the World Championships and go Team USA. So for my question of the week, I actually got an interesting um, tweet <laughs> this evening from a man claiming he's from Charlottesville. Um, it's at fake Larry sheets and he is questioning my tweet that I had about, um, Alex Smith. Um, I had the Nick from next fan up podcast, the Chiefs super fan on my podcast. And we talked about Alex Smith because you need to, because the dude didn't throw to a single wide receiver at all last season. Um, I would find that concerning, and I think that's warranted a question. And so, um, Mr. at Fake Larry Sheets, whose name is Wahoo Wah, so I do enjoy that, Um, but he might be more Wahoo than Who, like the crazy kind, but this is what he writes. He goes, at Sports Gappa, looks like we got some clown questioning the ability of Alex Smith. Charlottesville Chiefs fan club, activate. And he attaches some guy or some person at Nob Nobson. Okay, first of all, I didn't realize that Charlottesville had a Chiefs fan club. Well, that's cool. Awesome. Yay. I'm still going to question Alex Smith. I don't care. Um, and he also mentions later on, I asked I was like, are you calling me a clown? You know, what's going on? And the guy goes, you know, and I'm I'm reminding him it's okay to question Alex Smith because guess what? I'm going to question every single quarterback, particularly quarterbacks who do not find open wide receivers in an entire season. I don't care how good Jamal Charles is, um, and the fact that Jamal Charles was injured a good portion of the season. You want to know? I know because he was on my fantasy team last year. I had to get his backup. So yeah, let's let's see some facts. Um, but. This is his response. He goes um, to me, he goes, never question Alex Smith. You're on list. Don't step foot in Utah and you better open the door to clean cut young men. Okay. Here's a funny, interesting fact about the Sports Gal Pal. In college, I actually did the Walt Disney World College program. And three of my roommates were from Utah and were Mormons. So I actually probably know more about the Latter-day Saints than a lot of people. Not only that, but I had really good friends that lived in the state of Utah and worked at um, Utah State, which is the rival of Alex Smith's College of the University of Utah. So I actually have a lot of knowledge about the mormon faith and when the missionaries come to my door i give them a bottle of water because they're not allowed to carry that with them which is crazy in this day and age good god dehydration and then i send them on because i don't need guys in ties telling me how to worship god that's that's i got i got that i'm good um but i'm gonna be kind because i remember my old roommates writing letters to these guys i mean it's amazing what these what these kids do for their faith, and that's really admirable. And God, God, speak to them. If it makes them happy riding their bicycles with their fun helmets and their ties, I mean, let them. You know, they're not hurting anybody. But to to flat out say we can't question a quarterback, um, are you crazy? Seriously, are you crazy? Yes, is he a decent quarterback? Sure. Um, you know, if you talked to, if you heard me on Next Fan Ups podcast a couple of weeks ago, Sicko and I actually got into this with, um, you know, Andy Reid's system, where Sicko pointed out that, you know, Andy Reid's not known for getting quality quarterbacks like above better quarterbacks, like an Aaron Rodgers style quarterback, a Tom Brady style quarterback. Because I guarantee you, you put Tom Brady in that offense, you put Aaron Rodgers in the offense, they're going to find a wide receiver at some point. I'm, I'm just saying so yeah I'm going to question it because he was above average in San Francisco and then he's been above average in Kansas City so if I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan I'm, I'm going to be looking at Alex Smith going are you the guy that's going to lead me to the Super Bowl and right now and I'm impartial because I'm not a Chiefs fan and we don't play him this year I'm not worried about it. He is not the guy that's going to get you to a Super Bowl. So I'm going to question him. And this is now twice on Twitter, which shows that my Twitter reach is growing, that I've had men kind of question my... um Knowledge of the game. So this is what I'm going to say. For three weeks now, I have been talking to super fans about the NFL and researching the NFL and reading about the NFL. So much so that I am like probably full to the brim with nonsensical NFL facts that no one ever needs to know. Of course, I didn't have those during my trivial warfare thing, but that's because I started studying after the fact. What can I say? I do everything backwards, but don't get on Twitter with me and not ask me to question things that I see again. You know, and and the chief Superfan, if you listen to the Two a day, makes a really good point that when you have a guy like Jamal Charles in your lineup, you're not going to throw the ball that often. Well, I disagree a little bit with that simply because there's a reason they added Jeremy Macklin, and the reason is they needed a decent wide receiver who can catch the ball. But a decent quarterback is going to make up for lack of wide receivers. When was the last time Tom Brady had a star wide receiver in that offense? And no, Gronkowski does not count. Everybody says that. No. Exactly. It's, it, I can't. Can you name a wide receiver in the Patriots right now? I can't. No. So hear me out. Alex Smith deserves to be questioned. Colin Kaepernick deserves to be questioned. Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford. My quarterback deserves to be questioned is because they haven't lived up to the promise of what we know they can deliver. So with the right system and the right scheme and the right protection, yes. Can they be great? Awesome. But don't get on Twitter with me and then start debating it. Oh, 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 he's responded. Wait, I'm doing this live. He goes, when you had the best running back and tight end in the league, you can't blame him. Bo is gone, and Macklin will catch 10 touchdowns. All right, that is fair at fake Larry Sheets, and I will treat you that. But again, that best running back in the league was injured last year, a good portion of it. So what's the excuse now? Again, I'm going to question Alex Smith. But if you've got a question or comment about whatever I say on this lovely podcast, you can, of course, tweet me at Pal. And trust me, I do respond um, probably more so than I should, but I love interacting with my fans. So again thursday's episode do not miss it it is going to be the best of the super fans i'm super excited to have a lot of these guys back pod vader should be on we will have another special guest from the next fan up universe because we had a specific request for more analysis on a specific team and i like to deliver to my guys my fans out there so to all of you thank you so much for continuing to support the sports gal pal podcast um it is amazing to me that you let me into your earbuds and you let me talk about sports and the way I want to talk about it, you know, through the fans' eyes and the fans' experience and through my own kind of crazy. So, very good. And I will see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.